picture this. You're sitting around a dinner party. And someone asks, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? So you start racking your brain. Shane O'Mara, he joins us now. He is a guest uh, on the program. He's also a neuroscientist. Just recently wrote a book about the fact that we all actually have a superpower. And it's something pretty simple. What is a superpower? Uh, because it's humans, it's our unique form of adaptation. Uh, no other species on the planet walks in the way that we do, and no other species makes the transition to walking in the way that we do. And uh, what we overlook uh, with walking is that it, it changes entirely our perspective on the world. It changes entirely how we interact with the world. But it happens at a young age, and we have no explicit memory for it. That's interesting. So uh, there's apparently a lot of things going on when you walk. Maybe break them down. So if you think about, uh, first of all, robots don't walk. Despite all of the efforts that have have been put into this, robots don't walk in anything like the same fluid fashion that humans do. And humans make this astonishing transition. So if you think about it, you're completely stable when you're down on your hands and knees. It's really difficult to fall from that position. And at around about the age of, let's say, 12 months or so, Uh, You force yourself up, you pull yourself upright, you flop down again, and you do this hundreds of times a day uh, for over the course of a year. And it it sculpts all of the brain. It changes uh, the brain dramatically. It changes the body dramatically. Uh, You shift from a position where your weight-bearing is on your knees to where your weight-bearing is is on your feet, and you're inherently unstable uh, because you're top-heavy, your center of gravity is just a little bit forward of your chin, and uh, you have to somehow get around in the world. And yes, seven odd or eight odd billion of us do this every day. When you say it changes the structure of your brain, what do you mean? So walking uh, is the kind of a consequence of uh, the unfolding of a genetic program um, that uh, forces us to walk. So d- take a, another amazing skill that you acquire at the same age, which is language. In order to learn to speak, uh, you have to be exposed to a language community uh, between the age of, let's say, one or two, all the way up to the age of about seven or eight. But for walking, you don't. All you need is space. Uh, you don't need anything else. It's, it's what's referred to as an obligate transition. So uh, you must do it. And uh, uh, the position of your spine changes as a result of walking. Um, the control of the arms and the legs change as the result of walking. And the brain waves that you see in the brain change as the result of walking. And walking sharpens your senses. It mm. changes all sorts of things about you. Even something as simple as how you interact with a caregiver changes dramatically because you can now point, you can emote, um, you can walk together, you can pay shared attention to something together, which you couldn't do before. It, that makes sense. It frees up, it frees up limbs to communicate in, in other ways. Yeah. What exactly is happening when we're walking? What has to come together to enable us to walk every day? Because it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. So just the, the, the very simple act of walking is much more complicated than uh, people give it credit for, so, because we do it so easily and so fluidly. So if you're sitting or lying down, uh, you have to make the decision to move. So a command signal has to come from uh, somewhere like the frontal lobes in the brain, uh, instructing the rest of the body to get ready for movement. And then motor programs uh, have to be invoked, and then they in turn tell the spinal cord, put the feet on the ground, uh, hoist yourself up, and get moving. And this, as I said already, is unstable because uh, your body weight is principally concentrated in your body trunk uh, rather than in, in your legs. 
So you have to maintain stability while moving and you also have to do all the other things that you would normally do like breathing, talking, looking around the world, all of those kinds of things and testing the ground that you're walking on to make sure that it's stable. Um, And we overlook this because most of the time the motor program works perfectly well um, and uh, you only need to worry about the, the stop and start uh, of the walk itself. But actually, you've got a whole lot of things going on in the background. You also mentioned uh, cognitive mapping when you walk. What is that? Yeah, so this is something that we do all the time without realizing it. Animals do it as well. Uh, we need to create maps of our environment as we get around in the world. If you don't have a map of the world, finding your way around in that world is impossible. Um, and uh, we know, for example, in the case of patients who've had damage to the part of the brain that, that supports cognitive mapping, that they have what's known as a spatial agnosia. They don't know where they are. Mm. They're not oriented in space. And often also, they're not oriented in time. So when you walk on a new route, what you're doing unconsciously is picking up information about the world as you're walking around. And you use that uh, to uh, find your way about. So I ask you or your listeners, uh, imagine you're standing in, uh, at home. Uh, now, point to where your car is parked, point to where the street is, point to where your office is, and you can do all of these things quickly, easily, and fluidly. You might be a little bit wrong, but that's okay. Um, but you have a representation in your head of where things are in the world, and that is the cognitive map. When you talk about this disorientation, people that are disoriented while they're you know, walking, um, does that affect the rest of the functions involved in walking? that are going on at the same uh, time? Generally not, actually, no. The, the cognitive mapping is independent of hmm. uh, uh, your ability to walk. And people who have damage, the particular part of the brain is known as the hippocampal formation. And people who have damage to this part of the brain can learn roots. So, so long as the roots are very stereotypical uh, it's, and uh, they, they don't vary, so go down that road 500 metres, turn right, and it's the first door on the left. And then to get back home, you just reverse that. You can be trained on routes like that. But if the route is blocked, let's say something has happened that prevents access, like a crash on the road or something, they they are lost. Your ability to infer a new route is really severely compromised. Your GPS is gone, so Waze is not going to remap you in your head, basically. Exactly. You also see that putting one foot in in front of the other also helps um, make new connections that sparks ideas. So actually, this superpower is great in so many ways, not just for communication, not just for getting us around, not just for understanding where we are in the position, in our own position on the globe, but it actually helps spark creativity. That's interesting. Yeah. And this is something that actually uh, psychology and neuroscience really overlooked. Uh, So the, the standard tests of creativity is to do something like a, an alternative uses task. So you're brought into the lab and you're handed a common household object one after the other and you're told to come up with as many uses for this as you can. So here's a paper clip, come up with as many uses as you can in the next uh, 30 seconds. And what you find is if you get people to take a systematic walk, you know, 10 minutes or so in duration prior to coming up with new ideas, they on average generate about twice as many as they would have done mm. where they just seated prior to walking and this even works on a treadmill (laughs) do we know what's going on in the brain at that point in time i'm sure you do you're a neuroscientist so the the get the the guess is when you're sitting down you're not making much by way of demands uh on the brain um you know you you don't see widespread activation across all of the different axes of the brain but when you're up and moving it's kind of a call to cognition for the brain because 
uh, you will be moving about in the world. You have to figure out what it is that you're seeing. Uh, you have to make very rapid decisions. You know, think about the African plains all those years ago. Is that yellow thing moving over there uh, going to eat me or can I eat it? Um, so y- these kinds of things uh, are already activated. So the idea is that when you have a kind of a general greater degree of activation in the brain, uh, ideas that are just below consciousness can now force themselves into consciousness. Works on the principle body emotion stays in motion. It also helps us not only uh, with thoughts um, and creativity, but it also helps us emotionally. Um, what are the benefits of walking? Yeah, so the, the straightforward uh, position is this. Our bodies are built for movement, and uh, sitting around uh, being sedentary is not good for us uh, in terms of, of our general psychological well-being. So a recent study has, has reported in Australia uh, with something like 30,000 or so participants showing that uh, for every level of movement below or above the most sedentary in the population, what you see is... Uh, a reduction in the chances that uh, you will succumb to major depressive disorder. Hmm. Uh, so really, really quite remarkable. On the, on the plus side, what we also see, and uh, there have been some great studies in Canada on this, for example, in Ottawa, showing that walking in nature as opposed to walking underground through tunnels for similar distances uh, boosts how well people feel and, and does so demonstrably and above the level that they estimate that they would uh, they would feel better by. And then finally, uh, kind of the other last message is uh, uh, there's been a great study in Wisconsin which has been tracking people over the last uh, 20 or 30 years. And what they show is that people who are uh, sedentary, uh, the most sedentary in the population, show a kind of a, a series of malign changes in their personality, especially on the kind of the big important dimensions to do with um, uh, extroversion and uh, openness to experience. But your new book is called In Praise of Walking. Is it available now? It is available now, um, and uh, it's published by Penguin Random House. And uh, if you do a quick search, uh, you'll find it very easily. Do you recommend, in order to really fully digest this book, you read it while walking? Uh, no, because you might uh, <laughs> bump into something. Listen to it while walking. It's available on Audible as well. Amazing. Well done. That's a nice tie-in. Thank you very much. Really interesting stuff. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Take care. All right. So next time at the dinner party, when someone says, do you wish you had a superpower? You say, I already have it. Get up, walk across the room, get yourself, pour yourself a fun and tonic, walk back, sit down and let them do the guesswork. (laughs) I just displayed it. Is it mixology? No, wrong. Eh.